0: This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to Season 6 of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince & Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince & Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. I am joined again by my very special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is
1: your friend and mine, Adam Brown. Jay, that's it's an honor to be your friend, and it's an honor to aspire to be the friends of all of our tens of thousands of listeners. What a what a great place to be in!
0: How are you? And you know, I'm awesome. I'm doing yeah. so great. I uh, finally got my boat in the water, which I've been oh. working on since October. Uh, so uh, that that was a journey. Uh, an aqueous journey that has uh, culminated in me driving my boat around the lake. Uh, so that's been great. T- tends to reduce your blood pressure, my man, when you're out on the water.
1: It tends to reduce your blood pressure, but it reduces something else. You know, the old adage is, you know, a boat is a hole in the water into which you pour money.
0: Yes, they say that the, the two best days of owning a boat are the first day and the last day. Uh, so far, so far, we're doing okay, but uh, yeah. I've only had it. A, I've only had it a week, so it hasn't been a a huge
1: problem yet. Get back to me on next week's show. Yeah. We'll, uh, but we'll, things we'll are good up with man. You on that. Yeah, good. Thanks for good. That is fantastic. And what a, what a. I'm sure it is beautiful this time of year uh, where well, you are. Well,
0: you know, it's been a weird year everywhere in the country. I think for for weather and and here in Indiana, it's uh, today is fantastic, uh, but it'll rain for the next five days and then be good again. It's just been really. Uh, really up and down, but that's okay. As long as you get some ups, uh, it will be fine. But you know what I was thinking about? I was out on the boat last night with my daughter and I thought, you know, I've been doing this show for six years, Wow. 270 episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And man, what a privilege it is to do this show. I mean, the number of people that I've met and all the many, many, you know, now probably close to a million downloads of this show uh, and people who listen all the time, man, what a, what a Unbelievable ride this has been. I'm really, I'm really delighted to keep on doing it with you, my man.
1: Well, I, it, it is, and I, as much as I enjoy doing this and doing it with you, I've learned so much from from our guests and the experiences that they've had and the stories that they tell. I, I probably get as much or more out of this than all of our, our listeners, because I'm sure they're they're taking notes and they're hearing thing. And I always say, you know, when you go to a trade show or a conference or you listen to a podcast like this, if you can get just one or two ideas out of every listening or session, then it's more than kind of paid for the investment of, of time. And, and I get yeah. that twofold, threefold, fourfold every, every, uh, every week on the show. So it's, it's an so honor. They, you know, folks, if here.
0: you hire Salesforce Marketing Cloud and you get recommendations from Adam, it really comes from, from social pros. So that's, that's how it goes.
1: That's where I go. I mean, the, the, the world, the world, the world <laughs> We're universe. Crowdsourcing. Of,
0: uh, <laughs> We're crowdsourcing the, the strategic initiatives at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Thank you, listeners and, uh, and guests. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Our guest today on the show is also a listener of the show, a long-time listener, and mm-hmm. we are so fired up when that happens. And Somebody who knows the show, likes the show, has listened to the show, is also a guest. Uh, Temi Osanubi is live on the show from Atlanta, who is also a podcaster. Temi, welcome to the program.
2: Honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. Well, I host a podcast called Marketing Disenchanted, and I try to give accurate perspectives of what it's like on professional digital marketing from the perspective of someone who has a degree in internet marketing. And um, we bust myths, we tell jokes, and, and we just try to give people a perspective on, you know, bring some clarity to the to the educational process. Because, in my personal opinion, there's a gap in terms of professionalizing yourself, and it's a question that I get with some frequency. Like, should I go to school? Should I not? Gary V said this, blah blah blah. And so, I just, you know, lend my perspective. And, and I've had the opportunity to talk to, you know, some of the smartest marketers on the planet. Many of which I scalp directly from your guest list. So, thank you right for that. On. And, my um, Yeah, that's about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. This this idea of because your background, you've done some paid search as well, right? You kind of come from that side of it a little. Uh, Absolutely. So let's talk about that. So you, you actually have uh, a degree in online marketing, uh, and did very, very well in school. I think uh, I read on your LinkedIn that you were the salutatorian of your class. So not yes. only do you have a degree, yes. you were you were like a very top of the class. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. So what do you think about that? I suspect you believe that you've certainly learned some things uh, in that program that you wouldn't have known. Uh, but obviously, many, many people, including I would say almost all of our guests on Social Pros now across six years, don't have any scholastic training in this business, and partially because it didn't really exist for a long time. Uh, wh- where do you come down on that? Well, the,
2: the benefits are, are broad and it's much more than content. So um, in the first few episodes of my podcast, I go over some of the epiphanies that I had going through the degree program and um, my story. Is that I, I originally came to digital marketing trying to escape name discrimination. You know, over here my name is kind of exotic, Timmy Tayo Shinobi. but over in Nigeria, where my father's from, is kind of like Bob Smith. But anyway, when I entered the um, workforce, I was having a trouble, you know, getting a job because some HRS who are less than enlightened, if they cannot pronounce your name, they don't call you back. And so it was around 2004. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I I I don't have to deal with this. It's the age of the internet. I can just go online and make money. And so that, you know, I I went to Google and typed in, you know, how to make money online. And that draw me, you know, drew me headlong into network marketing, info marketing, warrior form, whatever you want to call it. And I completely, you know, bombed out on that, like 90% of people. But through it all, I managed to learn a few things and develop a good business acumen. So one day, this was back in 2011, 2012. I was um, involved in my local real estate association back in Dayton, Ohio, um, GD Rhea. Uh, I know that sounds like a venereal disease, but it's not. Sounds for the Greater Dayton Real Estate (laughs) Investors Association. I'm going to have to Google that, actually. I'm I'm not (laughs) totally sure I
0: believe you, but... uh
2: GD yeah, it. And so I was the um, I was the wholesaling chairperson for GD because I had done a whopping, you know, five deals. And that made me an expert. And so um, I was online making a post for the next meeting. My mother had just released her first book and I was doing a post for that. And I was also um, managing one of my high school friends who's a local rap artist. So I had all these different balls in the air. And then it hit me literally like a cartoon anvil, my my head cocked to the side. And I was like, for as disparate as all of these business activities are, the one thing that they all have in common besides me is Internet marketing. So if I was going to be an Internet marketer anyway, I may as well get good at it. But due to my previous experience, I was really wary about gurus telling me that they can make me the next rock star if I, you know, I just paid them X. So I was really refreshed when I found an actual an accredited degree program from a university that taught internet marketing. And, um, you know, content aside yes let's just get the elephant out the room in terms of just raw content yes you can learn it in different places oftentimes for a lot cheaper but just in terms of like like one of the biggest takeaways that I've had that I I would not have gotten anywhere else was how broad and expansive the industry actually is so a lot of times I'll compare it to the medical field and that is very broad and there are several areas of specialization so for example as a doctor you can be a heart surgeon, brain surgeon, OBGYN, you can go a million different ways being a doctor and like a lot of people When I entered the degree program, um, I sort of coupled it with social media. If you said you did digital marketing, I would think you did social media. And there are a lot of areas of specialty that, you know, don't revolve around special uh, around social media. And that was a perspective that I really didn't have before, because like I said, you know, however you're introduced to something kind of colors the lens through which you view it. And once I went through the program, I got, you know, several different lenses.
0: And what do you say to people who, who put out there, Hey, going to school is a waste of time. You could just learn this all yourself. You could just listen to social pros, uh, or, or listen to, uh, the disenchanted marketing podcast and pick up all the things you need to know. Just go out there and do it.
2: I disagree. Respect. We respectfully, because, um, yes you can get a lot of information out there for free however contrary to popular belief rooting it out does take a degree of skill on the searchers part you may land on convince and convert you may end up doing amway like who knows where that google rabbit hole goes and there are several factors affecting that you know you got web 2.0 you got the paradox of choice and most importantly you don't know what you don't know right because we, we've all seen sure. that that sure. diagram where you have three circles the first is stuff that you know the second is stuff that you don't know that you know you don't know like for example I know that I don't know how to fly a plane or deliver a baby and the third circle is what you don't know that you don't know and like you don't even have a concept of it so you really can't go to google and request information on something that you you don't know exists and so that that's the first major chink in the just google it um armor and I do think that professional education plays a role in becoming a professional because um it's it's really funny uh, last week, or a week before last, rather, you had uh, you released episode I want to say two sixty six with Lysandra Brill, yeah, and at, yeah. it just so happened that this was during Atlanta Tech Week, and I was on my way to Sage Summit. And one of the big takeaways from that show was that AI is where social media was ten years ago, and yep. it, it was it was so serendipitous, it was like that red thread tying the whole week together. To, to borrow from Tamsin Webster, her program. Because I went down to Sage Summit and they are, you know, accounting and finance software and they do a lot on the AI side. They have their own chat bot named Peg. And I was able to see the a uh, little robot that you could actually interact with. I, I got a video on my Twitter. This guy kept asking the robot, you know, what its name was. And it's like, are you asking my name? I don't understand. Are you asking my <laughs> name? And I'm like, you know, we're so we, we not, not quite perfect yet. This is It's, it's, a little, it's quite, beta. It's beta. We, Need we got a while before the machines kill us all. But yep. yeah, that that was the big takeaway that AI is definitely where social media was 10 years ago because, you know, the promise of marketing is the right message at the right place to the right person. At the right time rather to the right person. And we are producing just so much data. 90% of the world's information is less than a year old. And I know that sounds preposterous to a lot of people, but you just got to think there's 400 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. And that's just one content format on one platform. After you add back in all of the pictures, blog posts, tweets, white papers, et cetera, you're literally talking about hundreds of years per minute. And this is far outstripped the human being's capacity to make sense of it all. And artificial intelligence is is you know how you deliver on the promise of one-to-one marketing at scale. Yeah, no and doubt. to your point- that you made was that, you know, data scientists don't grow on trees. Like that, that that's a very specific skill set. And I think that um Bottom line, there, there are certain levels of craft that you're not going to Google your way into. Like you can Google a lot and, and you can find out a lot. But when you're talking about that upper echelon, you're, you're talking about, you know, becoming an AI expert. Um, I, I don't care how good your Google skills are. You're, you're typically not going to Google your way into that. And even if yep. you did, there does come an access to capital issue, especially in my experience, if you're a minority, because, you um, I'm a distinct minority in the fact that I went back to school to get my degree, but by far the the way that people professionalize themselves and disseminate best in class practices is through conferences and seminar. Mm-hmm. And even though in aggregate it's a lot cheaper than, you know, the fifty-seven thousand I had to borrow to get my degree, you're still talking between, you know, three and five thousand for a single conference. And if you take sure. a Take ClickFunnels, for example, right? ClickFunnels has a conference that they call funnel hacking. Well, at Full Sail University, they just call that your final project. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a little bit more to it than that because you have to go through the whole thing. You got to do you got to build a persona, do a SWOT analysis, write a marketing brief. But long story short, if you can do funnel hacking as described by Russell Brunson, you pass. Right. Yeah. And sure. so Funnel Hacking Live is in Texas. It's about a grand. You can get it a little cheaper than that if you get an early bird price. And plus, Russell Brunson has this, you know, his VIP coaching slash inner circle, whatever you want to call it. Which and includes that's the up- event. R- Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 that, and that's upwards of 10,000. So you're, you're looking at, even though you're going to get an equivocal education where you can go out and start, you know, servicing clients, you're looking at 15 grand out of pocket. And I, yeah. you know, I, I just don't, I ain't got it. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, you can make out cheaper, but if you don't got 15 grand, you might want to hear what Sally Mae has to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Russell's not, doesn't really have a big scholarship program. Most likely. Yeah. It's not, it's not
2: set up that way.
0: Yeah, no doubt. One of the other things that you've talked about is, is diversity in digital, right? That, that, you know, it's an area that I think nobody is going to argue this point has a ways to go. What's your take? What, what, what's the, what's the steps that need to happen to improve in that area? And then I'll turn over to Adam.
2: I think um, one of the major steps that needs to happen is more black speakers at conferences and, and uh, us as Black speakers doing a better job of getting out there. I think that given the the current political climate, where you see just monstrous things on television, you, we see folks like ourselves getting killed on on national television, and and seemingly nothing happens. There is this 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 the sentiment among younger Black people that you know I'm woke or whatever, and I don't want to you know I I don't necessarily want to go. To a university just so that I can go Beg a white man for a job And um, I think that's misguided And I think that um, We have to step up and say Hey, being a pro Does not necessarily mean That you go work for Coca-Cola Being a pro speaks to A level of performance, level of excellence Like that's the difference between A pro and an amateur Like you're playing the same basketball As Kobe Bryant, you're playing the same game But clearly Kobe Bryant plays at a much higher level than you. So that's the distinction and the the HTML is the same it, it, regardless if you if you're coding for yourself or you're coding for Coke. The HTML is the same. Not only that, but you know, black people own corporations, we really do. LLC stands for Limited Liability Corporation. And I um I wrote a blog post on my LinkedIn a couple years back called uh, Mike King of Ike Pool Rank is my Stuart Scott. Because back at the time, um legendary sportscaster Stuart Scott had just died. And um, of course, you know, you had all the tributes, but one that struck me in particular was from um Keyshawn Johnson. And when Keyshawn Johnson um, first started sports casting, Stuart Scott sat him down and was like, Look, you are okay as you are. You you don't you don't have to change who you are to do this. You can look how you look, sound how you sound, you can perform at this level. And that was Huge for Keyshawn and Mike King and, you know, Bon and Bao of Mondelez International, formerly um, Kraft Foods and, you know, Will Wright, Sear Interactive and um, Sean Sean Gardner and the rest of them. They, they did the same for me because um, from the outside looking in, when you look at a lot of conferences, you don't see a lot of black faces. But when you can see like uh, those gentlemen I just mentioned. It says that, hey, you're okay as you are. I mean, hell, Mike King, he's going to be speaking at Digital Summit starting here tomorrow in Atlanta. And he was an independent rapper. I mean, so and he's actually like rapped at Moscom before. So it's like you can't do better than that in terms of just seeing yourself in the industry as you are. And I think that the more Mike Kings, the more bottom bows, the more, you know, the, the more people that we have who represent you know, black men and, and black people in particular. The more we can say, like, "Hey, I, I know you have a certain perspective, but you know, I I don't change the way I talk, and I, and I, I talk to all kinds of people. And you are enough. You can do this. And, and representation is a, is a really big deal."
1: Timmy, I think another another big kind of point, and, and especially with people like uh, like Bonin, like Scott Mani, who I know you've had on the the Marketing Disenchanted podcast, and and all the others, Mike, that you're you're speaking to, you know, one of the other sides of this is that they're also bringing kind of respect to to so social media as a profession, and and I know that's that's a that's a topic that's that's pretty passionate um, for for you. And my question for you is. Is is social media getting more respect as as a profession, and what do you think it's going to take for it that 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 progression to to continue? You know, in, in my opinion, and, and probably Jay's is we see marketing and PR folks beginning to see the importance of, of of social media because heck, you know, they're seeing more and more of their marketing dollars being attributed to it. But when is it going to take non-marketers to say okay? Social media is a truly a profession. It is an industry in its, in its own right that is, that is respected you know, both with the professionals in marketing and communications as, as well as externally.
2: Um, My short answer is yes and no. I I do think that to your point, it is becoming more respected in certain circles, but we still have far too many people who think that because they know how to use Facebook, that that qualifies them to be someone's social media manager, and it doesn't. And in terms of um, what it's going to take for people's to, to, wake people up who aren't in the space, unfortunately, I think it's, it's it is going to take the AI revolution really kicking in the gear and it becoming, you know, inescapably clear that, you know, your, your, your nephew or your, your, your cousin who took one class six years ago, like this, this, this is real stuff that yeah. you need to be qualified for because unfortunately the industry has changed, um, there's a quote from uh, Michael J. Becker. He, he's a mobile expert with M. Cordis that I used in our book. Mm-hmm. He says that marketing has changed more in the last two years than the proceedings 50. Yeah. And, and people's mindsets just haven't caught up. And, um, we're getting to the point where it, there's going to be a real pipeline issue in terms of putting the right people on marketing teams, and just this gaping hole whole in terms of, um, like I said, you 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 don't data scientists yeah.
0: don't grow on trees. We, we were at the Oracle conference uh, a few weeks ago, and I I hosted this summit of CMOs. About 150 CMOs from big companies. And and one of the topics that we really spent a lot of time on was this concept that the technology being produced by organizations like Salesforce, Oracle, Adobe, IBM, to some degree, Sprinkler, the technology is outstripping the labor pool right? That the the, the, mm-hmm. the amount of AI and tech and sort of one-to-one marketing and data science is going so fast now, there just aren't people on existing marketing teams, aren't enough people on existing marketing teams to actually do what the software allows them to do. And so CMOs are having this this major sort of personnel issue, like where do we find these people? We talked a little bit about it on the episode with Lessandra a couple of weeks ago. And and I think you're right, Timmy, mean, that, that, that As complexity continues to increase, it will have this sifting and sorting mechanism like a bad Harry Potter movie, right? Where somebody will be like Gryffindor. And if you're Gryffindor, you get to be a professional marketer. And if you're Slytherin, um, you don't. And and that it won't be a sorting hat. It will be, do you know how to actually execute this stuff on the software side?
1: And I think you add to that the challenge that these people that we're speaking about from an AI standpoint are not being graduated out of, of J schools and, 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 and com schools. I think notwithstanding you know uh, Timmy, your experience with, with actually having a degree in internet marketing, which is fascinating.
2: Yeah, and um, I am a Gryffindor for the record. I, I am not ashamed that I, I am on Pottermore, and my Ilvermorey house is Thunderbird. But, nice. Um, wow, we're getting deep now. I yeah, love it. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, I, I think that, um, like, like I said, I think that as professionals, we have to do a better job of of really addressing. Like I said, these elephant in the these elephants in the rooms and these misconceptions that folk have. And um, you know, and being respectful about it, right? Because I um I wanna say it's episode ten or so. I have this analogy that I um I call Gary Vaynerchuk a male gynecologist. And what I mean by that is that Um, I say that with a great deal of respect because I have three children by two different women and all three of my children were delivered by a male gynecologist and my mid-child Gabby she actually had to be delivered via emergency c-section because her umbilical cord was wrapped around her head and um, I tell you Jay it, it was like a scene out of Grey's Anatomy like I'm not kidding we're all sitting there and they the Dr. Fraser Dr. Percy Fraser old man Walks in and he's surrounded by like two nurses and orderly and some other folks. He just walks in and says, hey, I know you really want to go natural, but unfortunately, we're not able to do that. The baby's in distress. We're going to have you in surgery in five minutes. Only two people can go back with you, decide which two, and I'll see you in a few minutes. And he turns around and walks out. And so, of course, you know, we're all starting to freak out a little bit because we've just been told that the baby's in distress, um, didn't tell us why or what was happening. He was just like, this is happening now. And so 30 seconds later. Another nurse comes in and says, um, I'm going to get you ready for surgery, which two of y'all are going back. We, we OK, I'm going back. And one of um, my ex's older daughters went back. And so, um, you know, uh, two minutes later, when the hallway, somebody comes gets my ex, wheels are out. And like four minutes and some change later, the doctor was cutting. Right. And so. That was a a very high stress experience. And it just shows the the level of expertise
0: that this male gynecologist had, but that I had the exact same issue, same exact story. Uh, and and I'm like, man, I'm like, why aren't you more stressed out than you are? (laughs) I was like, I'm freaking out. This guy's way too cool about this. He's chewing gum, Jay. He played
2: Papa Was a Rolling Stone in the thing. Because Dr. Frazier's old man. He was like 68 at the time. He's probably in his early 70s by now. And I'm telling you, it was like a a day in the office. And I I tell that story because... um, I know you know Gary V has a very big following, and I don't want his beehive coming after me. And I'm a fan of Gary V. That being said, um, I don't care how many babies Dr. Fraser has delivered, and I don't care how many C sections he's performed. As a man, he does not know what it feels like to have your belly slit and a person pulled out of you. Whereas when we're talking about getting a degree program, I, in that analogy, I would be a female OBGYN female ob who has actually had a cesarean section as well. So. I can kind of give a different perspective and give some guidance from actual experience in my opinion, you know, my viewpoint is based on experience not opinion or theory. And I think that those of us who have that experience have to again respectfully I'm not taking shots. I'm just drawing distinctions and trying to bring clarity that okay, I went through this process and as I went through this process, here's what I experienced.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it's it's probably If you did a study on the people who say you don't need to go to school and analyzed how many of those people went to school, I would guess it's less than half because you, oh, you typically yeah. advocate for what you believe to be true and what you believe to be true is often not always certainly but often uh, colored by what you have personally experienced you're always trying to ratify your own decision making it's just the way things are I mean you know I do this all the time with my wife it drives her crazy uh, if I pick a new restaurant that we've never been to uh, and I decide to go there I'm always trying to make sure that she thinks it's a good restaurant because otherwise I look like an idiot for picking a bad restaurant right I do the same thing all the time uh, and we, we're always trying to make ourselves right um, that's why my friend Tom Webster you mentioned mentioned. mentioned Tamsin earlier, Tamsin's husband, Tom, who's a professional market researcher, has a fantastic line that I I come back to again and again and again in my life, which is uh, amateurs try to prove themselves right and professionals try to prove themselves wrong. And I think that's exactly um, uh, appropriate for this conversation.
2: Absolutely. And and not only that, the other half, those who do have degrees, have degrees that don't directly relate to digital marketing and hey, are you talking fairness, about my political science degree now wait a second no you know, no 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 I know. In, in fairness the the degree programs were only recent i think full sales first year was like 2007 but um like john lee dumas for example he i take his free podcast courses. it's one of the reasons i started podcasting he's on record of saying several times that all college gets you is debt well jod's degree has absolutely nothing to do with digital marketing so it's like yeah. you kind of have to take it for what it is
1: well, yep. well let's, let's, take this, this next hurrah, this next horizon, which we, we can all agree is, is AI, artificial intelligence. How long, Timmy, do you think it's going to take for, for, for there to actually be classes and, you know, and, 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 uh, training, uh, and curriculum on that particular topic. I mean, if we be perfectly honest, if you, if you go to the private schools and the, and the, the nonprofits, the profit for profit universities have taken this by storm and they get serious kudos in my book for it, but you still have land grant institutions and traditional private colleges that are still not teaching social or barely teaching social and social media. How long is it going to be until they teach AI? It's, it's going to be 10 years.
2: Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I can only speak for full sale because that's the in- institution that I went to. And as far as full sale, I would probably say within the year or early next year, because that's one of the main misconceptions that people have is that just because this information is coming from a school that is coming from the halls of academia and the curriculum only changes once a generation. And that's just not true. Um, Most, if not all of the teachers at Full Sail University have their own agencies or consult. And so the The curriculum actually adapts fairly quickly. Like if you go back and you look at my transcripts and then you look at the degree program that's on there now, it's a very different degree program. So as far as full sale and um, their Internet marketing program is online only. So it's, it's not like you can actually go to the campus in Winter Park, Florida, like it's strictly online. I would say it changes. not not It doesn't change drastically. Like the, the fundamentals are still there. But I would say it changes probably every 12, 18 months. But um, I had Mark Schaefer on the show and he said very much the same thing. He said that the current state of digital marketing education in traditional colleges and universities is pathetic. And like and pathetic is his word. He said it's pathetic. And it, it probably will take five, 10 years um, before, you know, your traditional universities catch up. But in my perspective, I think that that puts more pressure on them because, yeah, you know, as as full. Yeah. As full sale looks better. It's sort of like Airbnb putting pressure on, you know, the W or traditional hotels, right? Because if you look at hotels now, they're really starting to embrace mobile and you have um, some hotels where you can download an app and they use near field communication and you can just completely bypass the check-in decks. And all you have to do is tap your phone to the door and not only will it unlock the door, but it will reconfigure the hotel room to your preferences. So your net. Flix queue is already queued up on the TV it'll automatically adjust your um, you know the temperature of the room depending on your settings now the hotel industry isn't doing that because they're with it they're, they're doing that because they're under tremendous pressure from Airbnb and I think that as full sale continues in, in other institutions like it continue to you know snap up all the students that this is going to put tremendous pressure on your your, your landlocked institutions and they're
1: just going to have to get with it or get lost. Well, I had one thing to that, Timmy. I love, I love that analogy. I think you know, with the with the hotel situation, you know, this is this is kind of going back to marketing one hundred and one, the idea of a unique selling proposition. Hotels are freaking out because of Airbnb and the like. What is one thing they can do? One thing they can do is because all the rooms are exactly the same and because they have IT budgets, they can do exactly like you said. They can do the near field communication. They can do the the, the temperature. They can spool up your your Netflix on the television, kind of like, as you say, Full sale University. Because they don't have the restrictions that a traditional university has, they, they can be more progressive. They can try new things. And I think that's certainly important for this this topic that we're talking about from an educational standpoint. But I think it's also important from a meta standpoint that all of us as social media marketers and communicators have to realize because of our position, we can do different things that a traditional marker marketer simply cannot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would almost argue that, that in this particular profession... Uh, you're you're almost better off being in an institution that has more adjunct faculty who who aren't necessarily tenured professors, but are coming from an agency environment, a corporate environment, because they're just going to have a more real-time look at, at what's happening in the business. My daughter's going to Boston University in the fall, which is a more traditional program, and she's going into the advertising program. And it's a terrific program with great professors in an, in an unbelievable city. But I do have some concerns about whether or not that curriculum is going to give her what she needs to really stay on, on top of things, uh, you know, four years from now when she's out looking for a job. So, uh, time will tell. And I can also say that, um, it's, it's a new day in terms of
2: students because students are more demanding and we have this tendency to say, you know, cause 'cause nobody wants to be left behind. I think everybody knows about it. And so, um, I was on Carrie's uh, podcast a couple months back, and she had C.C. Uh, Chapman on there, and he was talking mm-hmm. about um, teaching at Bentley University and how his students like continually challenge him, and it's 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 really getting to the points where on all sides that. That old stale is just not going to cut it. And so if it's not coming from direct competition, it's going to be coming from the students themselves. And so, again, I I do think that, you know, it's it's definitely a problem. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not, but it's I, I think that there are a lot of pressures convalescing on it that that will, you know, give the impetus for change.
1: Absolutely, um, and I think it even goes back to kind of how uh, how Jay and I actually opened this, uh, this this podcast with the appreciation of of, of all the people who who listen to us and the guests that we've had on. I think we have to focus, you know, in this in this industry to move quickly, and we need to have this quest for knowledge, this quest for insight, learning from experiences and learning from people who aren't like ourselves. I mean, I think you know the marketer's fallacy, as I oftentimes call it. Is this idea of because we think something works in marketing or communications, ergo our audience, our target audience, will do the same, and that's almost never the case. We almost, almost are never exactly the demographic of who we're, we're trying to reach. So I think that's where, you know, like things like Timmy, your uh, your marketing dis- dis-chanted, dischanted podcast, this podcast, trade shows, conventions, conferences, and ongoing training and education are so critical. I think for us to be successful. I've Agreed. got
0: some uh, I've got some ongoing training and education for you from our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Nice. You have produced. Adam and his team have produced an ebook with the 50 standout practices. For marketers on social media, including insights on social listening for better metrics, strengthening relationships with fans, creating a scroll, stopping content, gotta stop that thumb, and social ads that actually work. Grab it, you're gonna like it. 50 standout best practices for social media marketers. Go to c and c dot ly slash get social ebook. That's c and c dot ly slash get social ebook thanks as always to salesforce for sponsoring the show also want to remind you guys that if you're listening to the social pros podcast obviously you are that wasn't really a uh you know a rhetorical question uh when you are listening to the social pros podcast you might want to consider also listening to our sister show the content pros podcast it's like this show but hosted by different people and talking about content marketing, but lots of crossover, really terrific guests hosted uh, by Tyler uh, Lessard, who's the CMO of Vidyard, amazing uh, video company, and Randy Frisch, who's one of the co-founders of of an unbelievable uh, content uh, organization called Uberflip that I'm actually an investor in. So really great show. Just go to whatever you use for podcasts and look for Content
1: Pros or go to contentprospodcast.com. Adam, back to you. Great, Jay. Thank you. And I completely agree. Content Pros is a fantastic show. And if, if you listen to this one, you should listen to uh, to that one. It is on my subscription list on my uh, my, my iPhone. Uh, and, and perfect segue, Timmy, into some other things that, that I wanted to uh, to talk to you a little bit about. I know one of the points you oftentimes make on your podcast is this idea of content fatigue, that there's just too much content uh, coming at us and at our consumers from so many different directions. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on, on content fatigue and what you and as you work with your clients and your customers, what t- kinds of content are you finding that are really driving the fatigue right now? But also kind of what content is being best suited to combat this. We're certainly hearing things, you know, and seeing things around live streaming and uh, adoption and engagement with with live streaming. We're hearing, you know, different format types of stories and content are working uh, better than others. Love to hear your thoughts on this, I think, very important topic.
2: Absolutely. And I, I am going to take the opportunity to give a shout out to Park Howe over at Business of Story because I think that brand storytelling overcomes a lot of the content fatigue. That that's the short answer. Yeah. Because um it, everybody tries to tell a story, but it's specifically the way that he talks about it, the ABT format, the and but therefore narrative really, you know, it engages in a very particular way. And he gave a, um, he had a podcast. And so that that's the short answer. The first one is. Brand storytelling, and the second part of my answer is, I do think that podcast, in particular, not video, is is more of the content that I tend to push. Because first of all, even though Facebook really is driving a lot of the live video, the way that they measure is kind of suspect to me. They they measure it after three seconds, and then you know a lot of folks are scrolling, and you don't know if a view is a view. Um, and granted, you know the 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 measurement in podcasting isn't much better because you you have you know what a download is, but there's no way to tell you if they actually listen to it. But I I do think that podcasting, at least for me personally, using it as an analog, is that I can pay a pod class when I'm on the train to the Sage Summit. I can pay a podcast when I'm washing dishes. I can, you know, interact with my life and not feel like I'm so chained to my screen. So I think that video is definitely on the rise. There's no denying that. But um in terms of brand storytelling and and one of the reasons I started podcasting in the first place is because I do take a stance that is counter to a lot of, you know, Gary V's and a lot of other prominent people in the industry. And what can happen sometimes when you have written content is that that the tone can sometimes be difficult to decipher and something that's written one way can be read another and completely taken out of context i think we've all had the experience of just you know shooting a text that got interpreted as sarcastic and now you're having a meaningless falling out with your with your wife or your girlfriend and you sent that text innocently and um especially you know given the type of subject matter i wanted it to be heard out like literally i wanted you to hear my my voice. I wanted you to, to feel my energy, hear the inflection in my voice. And I think that um, podcasting is purpose built for that. And I think that the way that you, you know, over, overcome the shock is, again, by telling stories in a very specific, structured way, because, you know, everybody can talk, but very few people can actually tell a story.
1: And, and and as you talk to your your clients and your customers and even you know whether they're a national organization or a, a local organization, are you are you giving them this this type of advice in terms of how to tell stories and kind of what this what stories to uh, to tell? Certainly, one of the the benefits of of, of textual type content is that it's, it's, it's findability and, and searchability, um, whereas, you know, until, again, artificial intelligence, and which what we're talking about right now, really hits the mainstream as it relates to video tagging, audio tagging, and the like, you know, certainly something that, that we're working on in earnest uh, at Salesforce, it's going to be a little bit harder to find and have that discoverability. How, how do we get around that?
2: well um yeah that that that's an attribution has always been a big problem but what i what I tell my clients and, and what I tell people that I talk with is i I use one of jay's um uh, famous lines that you um give them content snacks to sell content meals, and so um I try to you know using the the classic Example of the funnel. You, you make content for different phases of the funnel, and so um, where you know a full blown podcast may not be appropriate, maybe you just do a, a thirty second sound bite, or maybe you do a quote with an image that you put on Pinterest or Instagram. So it, it really just depends on the vertical who I'm talking to. But I definitely um, one of the things that I would tell people is you know, borrowing from Jay, you know, sell content snacks to you know give them content. Sax to sell content meals, and I think that as the technology catches up and as the the attribution gets better. I mean, because don't get me wrong, you you can track quite a bit right now with um, Google Analytics, which is the free one, and I also use a tool called um, Lucky Orange, which lets you actually you know record the session, so you can see not only nice. where they're entering the site, but also how they're you know interacting with the content. So that those are my go tos.
1: Speak a little bit more about about that in terms of tracking conversations and in engagement. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that uh, and challenges that I've had with with clients that I've worked with in the past is is that that conversion from from conversation, you know, to to conversion. So actually showing, okay, we have people; they're listening to the podcast, they're listening to the program, they've they've consumed our our YouTube video about this product or service. Again, whether it's B two B or B two C. We've seen them kind of maybe jump over the fence to, to the website, uh, and then how do we begin to kind of show that, that actual conversion, that that indeed took somebody on a journey from, from, from acquisition to understanding to then actually transaction? Uh, is, is that something that you think needs, needs more kind of glue, or is that something that uh, you think is, is going to happen sooner rather than later?
2: I think it's happening right now. Um, I use uh, uh, I use Drip by Lead Pages, and Drip um, is really good about letting you build workflows and tag certain things. So I can actually, in it, so Lead Pages, just to back up, what I can do there is I can um, architect a funnel. And I can actually say, OK, here's the here's the piece of content. Once they do this, it's going to set a trigger and I'm going to send out an email sequence one day um, after that. I'm going to send another one out in two days. And all of this can be set up inside of you connect drip. Drip is the actual email autoresponder similar to AWeber or a lot of the other ones. But drip is just um, drip gives you when it come in completely different level of automation. And so you, you build out your funnel inside of lead pages, you connect everything to drip, and then it will track, um, if they land on a video, if they play a video and you can actually, you know, blueprint out what happens after they reach a certain point in the video, after they played the video for, you know, 30 seconds after they played a video for, you know, however long. And so I, I think that, um This goes back to one of the, the education pieces because the the, the the technology exists now, but, you know, being lead pager certified and actually being able to communicate that to a client is a, a different kettle of fish. So I, I think that. When you're you're having conversations with clients and when you're uh, talking about your capabilities, um, one of the things that's going to set you apart. And again, you know, you don't have to have a degree to to get Lead Pages certified. You can just go to Lead Pages, go to Drip, and, and, and get the thing. But it, it's one of those you know gaps, just in terms of the actual client that you're talking to, in terms of what it is that you can actually deliver upon. But well, um, and why and it, it
0: works, right? I mean, you can figure right. out how to do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know how it all. Works works together and you mentioned this earlier I thought it was a really good point that there's so many components now to the to the digital marketing story socials one of them contents one of them legion is one of them, them, them nurtures one of them video is one of them and and AI of course and so uh, there's all these different places that have to tie together and you got to know kind of the big picture I mean you can take a course from anybody uh, and learn that one thing but it's not about one thing it's about knowing all the things absolutely so i want to ask you the two questions that we've asked everybody on the show you probably know what they are uh and i'm so i'm particularly interested to know what your answers are going to be since uh some people don't know what the questions are and they got to come up with it on the spot but you have had time <laughs> to prep uh you've had practice time uh so uh asanubi what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro Okay, so my one tip has three
2: parts, but it is just one tip. The first is... Figure out where in the digital marketing ecosystem that you want to occupy. So going back to my analogy, comparing digital marketing to the medical field, um, there, there there are very, you know, there there are certain stratas, there, there are different levels of digital marketing and you really want to figure out which one it is. So I don't know how many gamers we have in the audience, but if you look at a game like, you know, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, you can actually pan out and see the whole map, like figure out which area of the map that you want to go and conquer and, and that 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 is your area that is what you are going to own be that seo be that brand storytelling be that you know funnel architecture whatever but just really recognize that this is a profession there are different levels and that you're going to have to stake your claim and then figure out what it is that you want to be. The second part is that after you figured that out, reach out to thought leaders and like-minded people on Twitter. Yes, Twitter is my absolute favorite social network. Bar none, I get the bulk of my guests. A good 95, 98% of my guests come directly from Twitter. I'm talking Scott, Monty, Brian Fanzo, Mark Schaefer. Hell, this very conversation that we're having originated on Twitter. And and I know that you know there's there, there there are certain attributions they have a lot of bots on there and it doesn't do the best on Wall Street but me personally like it's it's indispensable for this podcaster they're going to have to drag me out of Twitter like I can't say enough about Twitter just in terms of you know sort of punching above your weight in terms of connecting with people like there, there, there's no platform better than after you do that you want to listen to the e-marketer podcast like a lot of the questions that I pose on my podcast come directly from listening to the e-marketer podcast shout out to Kathy Boyle Jillian Ryan Marcus Johnson and Ezra Palmer doing a thing because it's it's timely it's backed by metrics and it's, it's just an easy way to sound smart. Like you you don't even necessarily have to to buy the whole package and download the reports. And I mean, you can, if you want to, but just listening to the eMarketer podcast is going to make you really, really smart and really, really up to date. So that's my, the three parts to my one answer, figure out where you want to occupy, reach out on Twitter and listen to behind the numbers eMarketer podcast.
0: I love a great recommendation. We'll make sure to link up the show in the show notes. Make sure you go to socialpros.com, which has all of our show notes across six years of shows. Temi, last question for you. You know what's coming. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Carlos Gill. Oh, Carlos gill has been on the show.
2: Yeah, 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 and he's he's actually speaking at Digital Marketer here in the, um, the digital, you know, summit here in a couple of days. And the reason that I want to talk to Mister Gill is for the same reason that he chose President Obama, and, and that is that you know he is, uh, uh, we're we're within a couple years of each other. I think he's like a, a year older than I am. He's a Latino man ha- has has a different experience. He doesn't have a degree, and like I say in you know my book and on my podcast, I'm biased, but I'm not bougie. I I do not think that everybody has to have a degree. I do not. I'm not here to make that right or wrong. I'm just here to, you know, like I said, Give clarity and draw distinctions, and so just given his experience, sort of scrapping his way through corporate America, especially being in in California and being a Latino man, given given the current um, political climate, and you know, let's build a wall and all that other stuff. So I, I I would just really love to pick Carlos's brain. Um, I, I respect his hustle like nobody's business, and um, yeah, I I would love
0: to talk to Carlos. All right, have you uh, spent some time with him in the past?
2: I have not. We have never um, met. We have tweeted back and forth. I was trying to get him to do a webinar for a full sale. But of course, you know, his calendar is packed because he's on, you know, he's on that Gary V hustle. But um, no, I have not met him yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it soon.
0: All right. Well, make sure you guys get get a chance to get connected. And uh, if you don't have a chance, let me know and I'll, uh, I'll make that happen for sure. Absolutely. Will do. Right on. Well, that's good. We'll make sure to let Carlos know that he was uh, name checked uh, here on social pros here. We'll be excited about that. He was on the show. Yeah, that's awesome. Temby, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It was spectacular. Thanks, of course, for being a fan of the show and a longtime listener as well. It means a lot to to Adam and myself. It was an absolute honor. Thank you both very much. And when are, when do Adam and I get to be on the disenchanted marketing podcast? (laughs) I will send you out an invitation link as soon as we get off. All right, we got to do it together though. We we only do things together now, so we'll have to come in as a as a package
1: deal. We are, we're works twins, yeah, yeah. We're the right Smothers on. Brothers, if you will. Yeah,
0: works for me. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a reference that a lot of Very listeners are not going to pick there. up on. Adam, Google thank it. you. Yeah. It. Well, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, Google it. Smothers Brothers. Guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, we will be back next week. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce. I am Jay Bear from Convince kind of and Convert, kind of and this has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.